that the minute that I go, you know what? I get busy comparing myself to this other guy's business who's better than mine and you know, like where I should be that I'm not and how, what I don't have and that's what's missing in life and where I failed and all these things. And I go, you know what? The reality is I'm going to just die and then none of this matters. So why not really enjoy today? Why not find a way to really enjoy my family and my friends and my business and this process and this journey? Because literally in the end, We're all just going to die, and it's all over. Welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. My name is Mike Flynn, and I'm stoked you've decided to join me on this journey to bring about a massive and positive change in the lives of others. Every week, you're going to join me behind closed doors, where I will introduce you to entrepreneurs, leaders, and innovators from a variety of industries to learn how their contributions are impacting the lives of others and how they are having a game-changing impact in the world. Thanks for investing your time with me today. Now, Race for Impact. On today's episode, we bring you John Roman. John is an award-winning speaker who knows the power of questions to elevate individual and organizational performance. He is the proud founder of Front Row Foundation, a charity established in 2005 that creates unforgettable moments for individuals who are braving life-threatening illnesses. The organization empowers individuals to live life in the front row by providing recipients a front row experience at their favorite live event. As the host of the Front Row Factor podcast, John interviews other inspiring individuals who have experienced powerful transformational moments rooted in meaning and purpose. Many call John's ability to connect one-to-one and with groups his superpower as he draws out the best of each individual and interaction. John is able to connect purpose to profit. His mission is to inspire, educate, and provide tools so that individuals, oftentimes entrepreneurial-minded professionals, show up, step up, and speak up to make their biggest impact. Over the last decade, John has keynoted for companies, associations, universities, and conferences around the world. John brings a refreshingly effective and modern motivational style that genuinely connects with his audience and helps them connect with one another. Engaging his listeners, igniting their enthusiasm, and challenging their status quo are his specialties. John and I talk about the perfect storm that launched him on his entrepreneurial journey. We talk about three things that you need in order to find the perfect mentor. We spend a lot of time talking about the front row organization, both his coaching and speaking platform, as well as the Front Row Foundation, the charity that John founded in 2005, and so much, much more. Go ahead and bust out your pen and paper, take a lot of notes, and brace for impact. So I always like to start out uh, with kind of a fun question about superpowers. So if you could pick any superpower, what would it be and how would you use it? So, you know, this is a great question. And I I remember playing with this question with a friend walking through New York City. And I think the superpower that I would choose to to embrace is one of uh, being able to read people's minds. You know, I 
I, I think that might drive me crazy if I couldn't turn it on and off. But if I could selectively know what was going on inside people's minds, I think that would be uh, that would be really cool. And I think that I want to do that because my ultimate my ultimate real superpower is connecting. And mm-hmm. I, you know, to me, that's the that, that to me that's the ultimate gift in life is to be able to fully connect with somebody. And we're always wanting to enter people's worlds and know what they're thinking and feeling and how they're experiencing the world, so that we can provide. For me, at least, it's provide the best experience possible. Now, I want to know what they value, and then I want to deliver that value in a way that blows them away. Nothing lights my soul up more than to see other people lit up. Yeah. So that that would be the power. That's 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 awesome. I mean, you know, people even if they're giving of themselves to you, uh, you know, in conversation, and they're they're fully engaged with you as far as you can tell, there's always, or not always, but generally there's a wall that's still there that they don't uh, let you through or or let you into because they're afraid for some reason. And, and it really requires a deep level of intimacy in order to, to get there. And I mean, it happens in our most uh, important relationships, such as like my, my wife, you know, for instance, I was talking with her last night and I asked her, I could tell something was on her mind. And, and I, so I, I, I she had, cause she had this look, you know, people have this look on their face sometimes, you know? Yep. And so I asked her, I said, what do you want to ask me that you're afraid to ask me? <laughs> All right. You know? Yeah. And even though I gave her permission to ask me whatever it was that she wanted to ask it, she still pushed back. Oh, I don't want to talk about it right now. Let's talk about it later. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, no, let's do it right now. I mean, this is never, never a better moment than right this minute. You know, when we're both aware and and uh, in a place and a properly positioned to address whatever the the concern or the fear or the anxiety might be. So, thanks for sharing that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. So you cut your entrepreneurial teeth with Cutco, right? That's right. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, and, and that's, uh, you know, one of my good friends is also, you know, a, a rock star at Cutco. Uh, one of the ways that we met through uh, Luke Mills. Yeah, that's Luke, right. Luke and Kaylin Mills. And so you, you cut your entrepreneurial teeth there and that kind of whet your appetite, so to speak, for being an entrepreneur. But kind of take us through the story. What? Why are you an entrepreneur? What was the impact moment that set you on the path that you're now on? So that's a great question. Um, and one of my favorite to explore with, uh, not only personally to look back and to figure out where those moments of transformation might've occurred, but, but to ask of others. So thank you for bringing it up. You're welcome. For me, Mike, I think that it was, there was a couple of things that had happened around the same time in my life. And I referred to this as the perfect storm or the trifecta. And this was that I was at a Tony Robbins conference, which I had begun investing in my own personal growth and started to see some um, some change, which was exciting. And I started to share that with people. And that was exciting to see them light up. Uh, as I referenced earlier, you know, that's a passion of mine. I was at a concert and, you know, this is just literally uh, a Jason Mraz show in Philly. And I had this moment where I recognized that what I call, I said, life was different in the front row. As I was sitting there in the back row, I watched these people having the time of their lives. And I sort of saw my life in this metaphor of being a spectator 
in the back. And then, you know, with the difference of being upfront, totally present, uh, living fully. And I didn't feel that I was doing that with my own personal life. And then the third piece, uh, which happened to be, you know, again, this is all within a period of a few months, I, I decided to run an ultra marathon. And it was a 52.4 mile marathon. I was not a runner. I'd never run more than like three miles in my entire life up until that moment. But the combination of all these things happening really started to open up my eyes to who I am, what my, I'm going to go back to your term, what my superpowers really were, what my passions were in life. And I just started to get silent enough to be able to hear that. I think that those answers had always been there. And when I started getting clear about why I was here on earth and what I wanted to do and what my, my purpose was or what I felt it was at the time, I couldn't not pursue my entrepreneurial journey. In other words, anything other than that felt like death to me. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it was almost like I didn't have a, cha- I didn't have a choice. It was, I, I, left every, I, I had to make an immediate switch and that's what I did. So I upped and left my corporate job. I was making a great income. I had a, it was, it was an awesome company. I love the people, but I had to go pursue speaking, coaching and running the charity because I felt that's what I was born to do. And that was the start of the entrepreneurial journey, man. That's awesome. You, you said something that I think is really important and you said it pretty fast and I don't want people to miss this. And you, you said that you got silent and I think that that is a critical requirement yeah. for for entrepreneurs or individuals just in life who are trying to figure out what direction that they need to go in. They need to get quiet and and focus. So what what how did you do that? I mean, what what did you do? Cause, I mean, because in this crazy world, it's a crazy, noisy world. Yeah. So how do you get quiet today? You know, I, well, I think that it happens in a number of ways, and I think it's evolved over time for me. You know, to the moments now where I take uh, a few minutes every morning. Most mornings, every is a bit of a stretch, but most mornings to just sit in silence, whether it's some type of mindfulness practice or meditation or whatever you would call it. You know, I, I've got the I've got Calm and uh, downloaded on my phone, and I use that, or I just sit in silence. You know, literally, it's just about giving yourself a break, even for thirty seconds to just breathe. But I think back then, Mike, before there was a label to it of mindfulness or meditation or whatever, this was about changing my environment. The silence came from, I, I, I'll give you a great example, ready? So I went to one of Tony's events and um, I was in Palm Springs, I think at the time. And I was there, I, had, I was by myself at the hotel. Uh, so I didn't have a roommate. And I remember leaving the event um, that evening, and I went down to the pool, and I just was floating in the pool. And I remember looking up at the sky, and I, I I remember feeling in that moment just like I was experiencing. I I was experiencing everything I needed to experience. I was totally clear about what life was really about, and it was in that moment when it was just totally quiet around me. I was looking up at the sky. I was just floating in this pool that I really started to have some breakthroughs, some clarity. And I started to notice that when I put myself in a different environment, I could get out of the day-to-day, I could get away from all my to-dos and all the the things that would trigger what's next. I could get focused on what's now. And that, to me, was a big 
breakthrough. And I just started seeing that. So I started seeking out ways of getting silent. Like silence can come just by being on a trail run. And I found that when I would get out in nature and I would go on a trail run, I would have some of my best thoughts. My team actually tells me that now. They're like, dude, we know when you're on a trail run because the phone starts blowing up with ideas. <laughs> and like, you know, you're just, your creative juices are flowing. So I think that for a lot of people, it'll show up differently. But I think it's about breaking the, the norm you know, breaking out of the norm. I talk a lot about like what's in your front row. And to me, that's your environment. I talk about shaping it, moving it, shifting it around. So I think that's a, I think that's a critical piece. That's, that's, yeah, that's super helpful. I think that you, you you often hear about people, you know, coaches, if you will, saying that you need to get out of your office so you can work on your business, not in your business, but it's the same philosophy when it comes to approaching how you're going to you know, pursue your life. You know, you got you to gotta get out of your daily grind and take that time to think and, yeah. and pa- hit the pause button. And yeah. maybe, it's, maybe it's just going for a run. Maybe it's swimming. Maybe it's sitting out by the ocean here in Santa Cruz, you know, yep. and, and thinking and praying and meditating and, and allowing those, allowing the greatness that exists within you to kind of start to bubble to the surface. That's it. Yeah. You just got to, you got to get quiet enough to hear it. I think that's the whole key. Totally. Now you, you've talked a lot about, um, Tony Robbins and, and he's obviously a, a, a mentor to thousands upon thousands of people virtually and some directly, but tell us about ment- how, how important mentorship is in your life and, and maybe a mentor who's impacted your mindset, influenced your outlook, and maybe you did work for Tony's organization, right? Yep. I well, yeah, yeah, and I think there's lots of layers with that. So to clarify, um, I, I went through all of his programs, and you know, it was multiple, multiple programs, and you could pursue this leadership path where you'd end up, you know, at like a date with destiny. For those people that are familiar, there's like a six day conference, and it's um, you get behind the scenes and start working with the people that are supporting the attendees. And so I became what they call a senior leader with that group, which is you know when you go to the event. I was one of the guys with the you know Tony Robbins polo shirt on supporting the teams. I was a coach. So I would help people through their events. And it was really an awesome place, Mike, to be able to, to learn to serve, you know, to learn to, and I think that there's hundreds of people there that do this. And many of them are highly successful people that aren't, you know, that they've got great lives and jobs at home, but they've been so deeply affected by Tony and the environment that they just want to give back. They want to help somebody else have the same experience they had. So I think that's where that all came from for me is learning how to be a great support for others because I had so much great support coming my way. I wanted to pay that forward. Uh, in my life, I've been blessed with uh, you know some really great mentors. Um, I don't know that I can take credit for it, and you know, in some ways, I feel like I kind of stumbled into that. Um, but I also know that the part that I will take credit for is being open to that, um, being willing to connect with a mentor, and being willing to grow and say, "I don't know it all." Um, but I've had a few that that I could name. I mean, it, just for fun, I'll throw out the name John King. This is a guy who years and years ago, I'm talking my early 20s, I think he was one of the first people that I feel recognized there was something in me that was unique. And I know this sounds a little cliche, you know, to say like, you know, he's the first guy that was like, you know, there's something cool about John Broman 
and I'm going to help amplify that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and that to me was, and he is to this day one of my best friends. But I, I never forgot that he was able to look past my weaknesses and find and dig out strengths and highlight them and bring them to the surface and help you figure out where to how how to use those strengths for good in the world. And, and I think that's what great mentors do. You know, I think that's what they do. One thing they do is just help us identify and accept our strengths because a lot of us haven't even really accepted that, that we have them and fully embrace them so that they're not being, you know, used in the world uh, fully. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, that having a mentor that, that is able to and, will, and themselves willing to, to do that is amazing and, and definitely is going to elevate and accelerate one's path to success. And specifically, you said a couple of things that I think are, are really important for people that love the idea of having a mentor, but aren't willing to take the necessary steps toward toward actually having a mentor and getting a mentor. And, and I think that you know, the three critical things are, are one, that you're open to mentorship, obviously, and, and two, that you're willing to to connect with somebody and that you're, you're, you're willing to ask for help. You're willing to go out there and take the risk to, to ask somebody for coffee or for their time. And most importantly, that you're willing to listen to their advice and their counsel. I mean, they, they're going to, they're going to help you skip over all of these mistakes that they made so that you can get to the next level without following, you know, in their footsteps, in their exact footsteps, so to speak. Yeah. So thanks for sharing that. That's awesome. Yeah. Now we, you know, you, how we got connected was, was Caitlin, our mutual friend, Caitlin was, I was telling her about the podcast and she was telling me about your organization, both the front row speaking uh, organization, as well as the front row foundation. So, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg, which, which, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Yeah. Well, the thing that I'm I'm really excited about with this whole process is the charity came first. So, you know, back in 2005, we had this idea to, um, you know, help people who had a life-threatening illness um, to have a front row experience at the event of their dreams. And this came by way of uh, really getting clear about um, how we wanted to help people in the world. For me, it was about my greatest fear, my greatest love. And I think we get passion from that. I think we get you know fuel, unending fuel from that. For me, it was my greatest fear was having this ride of life end early. And my greatest passion was experiences with friends that we could look back on and celebrate. So I thought, what if we could help people who are facing a life-threatening illness to have the best experience of their life? And uh, that's when it was born. And it was just this, it was this passion project. You know, I had a full-time job. This was evenings and weekends, and we were pouring money and time and energy into creating this. And we just, we wanted to feel, we just wanted to do some good in the world. That was it. You know, we just, we thought, what do we love to do? How can we help some people out? And, and, and it just, and then it just grew, it kind of snowballed and we, more and more people got involved and, and, and it just gained some momentum. And it, it also became sort of, it became this lifestyle. It became more than just the day. It became a, a way of living. That was the second evolution of it was people started living life in the front row outside of these concerts. People mm-hmm. that were helping were being deeply affected by it. Volunteers and donors were getting, they were catching the bug of living life in the front row. And they started taking pictures with their hands up in the air. Yeah, yeah. 
call that front row pose, you yeah, know, these yeah, totally. two fingers pointing to the sky and, <laughs> and, and people were taking pictures all over the place, sending them into us. And, and, uh, and that was good. And then, and then for us, Mike, it, that eventually got to the place where because we wanted to help people live life in the front row, it naturally took on this sort of coaching element, this speaking element. I'll never forget, you know, I was like, I wanted to do speaking and I was doing speaking for a number of years and I was doing motivational speaking. Let's just categorize it as that, right? Sure. And leadership. And I was, it was part of my role, even with my corporate job. And uh, I remember somebody saying to me, they're like, you should speak about living life in the front row. I was like, I can't do that. That's the, that's the charity thing. Like I can't, I felt like I was stealing from the charity, this <laughs> idea. And I was like, I don't want anything. I want nothing of my business to touch the charity piece. Right. Right. And my friend said to me, he goes, John, he goes, he goes, it could only help the charity. If you're speaking about living life in the front row, you'll point everybody back to the charity because that's awesome. Yeah, that'll, totally. That'll serve the charity in the best way possible. And I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I, I, I go, you're right. I said, so I, I reluctantly adopted this as a way that I could serve. And so that just became my business. So front row, the front row factor podcast, the front row factor speech, the the coaching that I do is all kind of under this banner of what I call front row global. And, and that's the mission. But everything serves the charity, which is great. Every time we speak, it serves the charity. I gave a keynote at Hal Elrod's Best Year Ever event. And, you know, it was 330 people uh, from 13 different countries. And wow. I, I gave a speech about the front row. And we raised $110,000 in the room. Whoa, that's awesome. For the charity, which is, it, it, you just start to see everything work in harmony. I think, Mike, that's a big key for entrepreneurs and then business folks and just anybody, really, is that you ask yourself, how can your life work in harmony? I heard this the other day. is like, I don't know who to credit for this. I think Ray Reed said this. It was about, it was quoting somebody else about everything you do should point to something else. And it's just the idea of working in harmony where if I do something, I want that to support the charity. So rarely will I do, get involved in endeavors that don't have some direct tie to the charity because that's a great purpose for my life. I feel like, I can't predict the future with many things, but I feel like when I get to the end of my life, this charity will be there. You know, this, this will be something that I will be very proud that my children will uh, get a chance to experience that their father was involved in this. And I don't think at all, I want to say something else, Mike, that I don't think it has to be charity. I think sometimes we get too wrapped up in the charity nonprofit piece, but I think that you can have, you know, um, as uh, Adam Braun, right, Pencils of Promise has said is for purpose businesses or for purpose organizations. It's the idea of just doing something that has a soul to it, doing something that you genuinely believe is making a positive difference in the world. So I don't think it has to be 501c3 nonprofit charity. I think it's just a way that you serve and the way that you look at the way that you serve and the way you inspire and the way that you you lead yourself and what you what you would do if you had all the money in the world and you didn't have to do anything, what would you still want to do? And it's like, I could answer that question 100% that I would still be doing this charity. Totally. I guarantee it, mm -hmm. no matter what, mm -hmm. I would do this charity work. Yeah, no, I think that that you, you, you're obviously committed to it. And I mean, in order to kind of help kick that foundation off the, uh, off the ground, you, you went from running two or three miles in your life to 
decided to become an ultra endurance marathon <laughs> runner. So, I mean, like that kind of says something. A walker also, Mike, walker. <laughs> a, a ultra marathon walker. There was a lot of walking. Well, we're, let's just be clar- clarify something. Were you one of those speed walkers with the, you know, the... You know. <laughs> yeah. Even at moments, it was shuffling. You got an ultra marathon shuffler. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, I mean, tell us some, some of the challenges that you faced as you were raising money to launch this, the Front Row Foundation and how you overcame them? Well, I won't say there was a ton of challenges in the beginning. I think the challenges come later. Um, You know, I think that in the beginning, you got a lot of passion and excitement and it's easy for people to step up one time. It's a whole other thing for people, your volunteers and your supporters to step up time and time again. So I think people hit the hardest part of their charity after they're in it, not at the very beginning. Because mm. you're all fueled up in the beginning. I mean, listen, the way to start a charity is you can, you can, no joke, you can just file some paperwork, send it into the government, say, this is what we want to do. And most likely you'll get a 501c3 status. The getting it's not the hard part. It's keeping it. It's doing something with it. That's right. where the work comes in. So I mean, we, we, here's what we did. We, decided, you know, we sent out a letter to like a hundred of our family and friends. Um, and this is me and my buddy Jamie at the time. And we sent out this letter to all of our family and friends. And from that, we raised a, a couple thousand dollars, let's say. And that was enough money to file the paperwork for to become a 501c3. It was enough money to create our first front row experience. And, um, and we did that. Um, so it was, it was just a few thousand dollars. We raised this money. We did the run. We brought some awareness to it. From that run, though, we got enough attention to where the night that we had our first recipient going to an event, and that was Effie Habucky, who went to go see Brooks and Dunn in Atlantic City. Oh, cool. um, and I'll never forget, by the way, a little side note here, and I'll get back to the fundraising in a second. But uh, Effie told us later that uh, we had uh, we had a connection to the president of this casino, and and he got us front and center seats. And when Effie showed up at the will call window to get her tickets, the person slid the tickets across the counter to Effie and said, I don't know who you know <laughs> to get these tickets, but have fun tonight. And That's I'll never awesome. forget that moment when she told us about that. But she went out and she had this great night. On that same night, Mike, we invited our friends and family to come out to a fire hall, literally a fire hall, a, a mile down the road from us, the Sicklerville Fire Hall. And uh, we rented the room. We had, you know, kind of uh, this like, low, you know, budget catering, like a keg of beer and a couple of our friends who did comedy to show up. And we sold tickets for like 30 bucks a piece. And we sold 200 tickets that night Whoa! Um, to our community. And they all showed up. And like, I remember, man, we, I, I thought we were big time, Mike, because we had our name on the fire hall sign <laughs> out front. It said Front Row Foundation in these black letters. And I thought, man, we have really done it now. We have our name on a sign. And then, uh, you know, we had friends show up and we had a cake. I thought, oh, wow, we have a cake. It has our, our logo on it. That's amazing. <laughs> and all this is happening. And I just thought it was so cool that our friends got together. I thought it was so cool that our friends got together. And at the same time, Effie's having the night of her life. And we raised about $20,000 that night. Um, one of my buddies, who is uh, a newer friend at the time, is in his early 20s, handed me a check for $8,888.88. And he was 23 years old at the time. And I'll never forget having this support, Mike, 
from the community and this excitement and the endorsement of the idea and people feeling passionate and lit up around it. So in the beginning, I, I, it, it sounds a little fairy ish like it all just came together. And in some ways it did. The tough part came later when, you know, you start, what you start to see sometimes with volunteers is that they'll, right in the very beginning, I said, like I said, they step up and they're like, yeah, I totally want to do that. And then volunteering a lot of times is usually, is, is, is a lot of times last on the list mm-hmm. uh, for people of what they're going to do. And when life takes over, they kind of lose momentum. So it was keeping people on the team. It was keeping excitement alive. It was keeping people as donors. It's, it's, it's easy for somebody to get really excited and go, yeah, I'd like to donate you know, $50 a month. But then the eighth charge that comes in, they're like, hey, I got to dial that back a little bit or, hey, I'm, I'm going to put that on pause for right now. Right, right. So it was, it, and it was, it was finding the energy to keep going. Um, and I think that the way that comes is you, A, you have to have a clear uh, purpose and mission internally for you if you're a driver of an organization. Mm-hmm. And number two, you've got to surround yourself with people that are the right people. Because if you if you surround yourself with those that drain you, um, you just it won't work. So it was all about community. It was all about picking and selecting the right team, and it was sharing the vision with those people and talking the vision out and letting them co-create with you. That's where it happened. This episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group, a full-service advertising and design agency specializing in websites, social media, apps, logos, and more. Based in Oklahoma, they work with clients across the nation from small businesses to large corporations and everything in between. You can find them right now on the web at www.lawtonmg.com or call them at 580-275-2063. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. Just tell them the impact entrepreneur told you to call. Community is responsible for success of any organization. The community and relationships and, and, and tied, tied in with a solid vision. And if you get those two things, I mean, you're unstoppable. We call that who's in your front row. Oh, okay. You know, we think we think who's in your front row is one of the most important decisions, you know, questions that you'll ever ask and decisions that you'll ever make is who do you put in close proximity to you? Mm. You know, some people we need to push back to the back row of life and then other people we need to bring forward. But it's literally like thinking about this is like you're on the stage of life and you've got to select your front row. These are the people that are going to be cheering you on. These are the people that are going to be giving you those, you know, the energy to perform in life. Totally. Now, that's a perfect segue into the front row frat factor and coaching and speaking. You're, you you do a lot of speaking at college campuses, uh, which I think is awesome. I think that college students today need to hear this message more than anything because they are so plugged in to their technology and, and that it's hard for them to see beyond, you know, th- their next Snapchat, you know? Yep. And so I love the the front, the name front row. I mean, like, obviously I think you created that first and then you built this awesome acronym out of it. So why don't we kind of go through that? Uh, Cause I think that that's, that would be very valuable to our audience. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Mike, w- what I also want to share with you before we get into that just real quick is I want to share with you this idea 
that we've we've recently come to realize. It's something that we've lived for a long time within the charity, but this has just hit me. Um, that really what we do and what we help students do and what we help companies do and entrepreneurs and our recipients, this is a community-wide belief, is we help people to have, first of all, hope for the future. One of the things about that we've learned from this experience, the, creating these experiences, is that people have great hope and anticipation and excitement for their event coming up. And I think that's a critical element that we all need to uh, understand in our lives and how it relates to each one of us is having that clear vision, that hope for the future. And you, I mean, this is something that your listeners probably, listeners are totally familiar with, but the idea of getting clear about that and the power that it has now, like we talk about an individual in our organization that we helped years ago, his name's Thomas Kay, and Thomas was going to go see a rugby match. And he really wanted to stand for the national anthem. And you know, I remember hearing from his family that he was driven in his rehab to, you know, for the event because he wanted to stand for the national anthem. Oh, wow. So I think the, the first element is having hope for the future. The second piece of this is living in the moment, you know, and that what we, what we teach people is to live for the moment right now because tomorrow is guaranteed to nobody. Right. And the idea is that our life is literally, our <sighs> entire life is lived in the moment right now. There's there's, there's only so much that we sort of envision for the future. There's only so much that we celebrate about the past, but all of our lives are lived for a moment in that moment. And I think that teaching people how to live in the moment is key. And then the, the last part is celebrating our experiences of life and looking back and really drawing great energy from all the great moments. You know, a lot of us are so caught up in what's next that we fail to see what's now or what's been great about our lives. And right. I'm not talking about living in the past. I'm not talking about the rear views, you know, mirror syndrome. I'm talking about celebrating what's been great about our life and, and honoring that and, and, you know, the anniversaries and those great moments and experiences. So that's something that I just wanted to preface that our organization is very clear about. We do those three things and that's what applies to all these um, all these different groups, they, we all can all relate. Business owners are like plan for the future, perform in the present moment, mm, be I present like that. with clients, be present, you know, and then to look back and say, what well, can I learn from the past? How can I learn from my, my experiences? That's the, that's the idea of how this applies to everybody. It's a big mindset thing because I think that, I think that it's, it's important to reflect on the past and you just helped me realize that you know, there's a big difference in saying to to your, to oneself, "I'm going to be successful," versus "I am successful." There's no doubt that each and every one of us, at different points in our life, have done something really amazing and outside of what we thought we were capable of doing. And maybe it didn't make us a million dollars, but nevertheless, it was something. It was a challenge that we overcame. It was it was a goal that we achieved. It was something that we didn't think that we could do. And we don't allow ourselves to live in that in, in those successes because the, that's not what the world tells us is equals success. Success in the world is, you know, a big fat house and a million dollars in the bank or whatever. Not even a million dollars anymore. That's not that much money, you know. But I think that it's a really I, I think that that what you're doing is amazing because it really is a mindset. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I, you know, and, and on that point, Mike, you know, I think I say mortality oftentimes breeds or inspires vitality for a lot of people. Understanding that 
I mean, the reality is I, one of the most inspiring thoughts I have that I remind myself of all the time is that everybody's going to die. Now you go, how is that inspiring? How does that <laughs> inspire you? And I go, yeah. because we get caught so much in the, the, the stuff that doesn't matter. But the minute that I go, you know what? I get busy comparing myself to this other guy's business who's better than mine and you know, like where I should be that I'm not and how, what I don't have and it's what's missing in life and where I failed and all these things. And I go, you know what? The reality is at the end, I'm going to just die and then none of this matters. So why not really enjoy today? Why not find a way to really enjoy my family and my friends and my business and this process and this journey? Because literally in the end, we're all just going to die and it's all over. Yeah, we can't take any of it with us. So let's just enjoy this, man. You know, like that's the thing. It's it's really about the quality of your life. Mm-hmm. And I think that for entrepreneurs, especially, you know, you spend some time on Facebook and you will start to have this, this you're like, oh my gosh, everybody else's life is so much better than mine. <laughs> and like, it's dangerous, man. It's so it, dangerous. Yeah, I mean, you're so, only getting a, uh, you know, a little, literally a snapshot of, of someone's happy moment. You're not... That's it. Dealing with it. you don't you don't see the the struggles that's and it. the trials. You know, there's a very reliable statistic, statistic I heard once, and that's two out of two people die someday. So, <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. Or or from uh, what was it? Um, uh, the Fight Club on on a long enough timeline, everybody's chances for survival drops to zero. <laughs> you know, so yeah. so so the the idea is inspiring to me. Um, I don't want this ride to end early for me or anybody. You know, I want to preserve life. I want to extend life. I want to, uh, but but most importantly is I want that no matter how many days we have, that we live it in the front row, you know, present and on purpose in this moment, celebrating life. And that's what I want to help people do. So let me let me answer your question though, because I just totally took us on a detour. It's a all good, side, man. It's a side good. trip. That was important. Your question was about the acronym. And so our team put together this acronym and, and I'll just rattle it off real quick. And then we can, maybe you can tell me if there's a piece of it you want me to dig into, sure. but we feel that this is what it comes down to. Number one is, is following your heart. So the F in front is follow your heart. Um, we, we, the R is to rise to the occasion. And what we talk about with this one, Mike is, is about standing up for what you believe in. A lot of times, you know, the metaphor is at a show, people are afraid to stand and sing and dance, but how many times is that true in our lives? where we're afraid to express ourselves because we're worried that people will judge us. So I think that for, for a lot of people, it's about rising to the occasion and saying, this is the time that I get to stand in my life. This is a, something I am proud to stand for, like a standing ovation, You know, not being afraid to be the spark in a room and give other people permission to stand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The O is for opening your mind. And it's just about opening your mind and looking around and seeing all that's around you. You know, When you're at a show, I'm just going to go with the concert theme here for a minute. When you're at a show, it's about it's about experiencing it all, you know, and it, it's, again, this goes back to what we were just talking about with entrepreneurs. Like sometimes focus is key and other times focus is our, our, our enemy because we get so laser focused on something that we miss life. And so what is it to achieve all this stuff and to say, we did it and then to miss the whole experience. So the other piece of it is to just keep an open mind and say, what's great about this? How else can I experience this? What do I see, hear, and feel around me right now? The N is for never back down. And this is, this is something that we believe in as a charity about the commitment we have to experiencing life to the fullest. As an example, don't let anything stand in your way. You never back down from having a great time. Uh, whether it rains you know, at, your, at your show, 
and you know, you can still have a great time. Um, you can you can always find a way to experience life to the fullest and, and attach a positive meaning to it. I was at a concert, uh, Jimmy Buffett with some friends, and it was pouring down rain, and my buddy turned to me, and he goes, you know what's great about seeing a concert in the rain? And I was like, what? He goes, I've been drinking a beer that's half full for about a half an hour. (laughs) (laughs) And I just think about people that are fun to be around because it's like nothing gets them down. You know, they're like, I will not back down from this this experience. I'm just going to find a way to enjoy this and to make it work. Totally. Um, I think about that the, the T in front is to throw your hands up. And I think this is about full expression. This is about, uh, this is about, you know, this is even, if you go science with this one, Mike, this is about Amy Cuddy and her, and her research on power posing, right? When we talk about throwing your hands up, it's about acting your way into feeling. It's about literally that if you change your physiology, it changes your psychology as Amy has found. And I think that for a lot of us, we need to act our way into feeling. We go, I don't feel like doing that. And you go, well, listen, if you just throw your hands up, if you just embody what it is to live life in the front row, then you'll experience that probably in a psychological sense too. So the throw your hands up is a little shout out to our logo I've referenced earlier, the guy with his hands uh, pointing to the sky. And and to us, that represents a front row life. And I think there, you can even you, you can even tell people do this without any programming, without even seeing or hearing about it. They just throw their hands up because it just feels like a way to celebrate our lives. All right. So the row is redefine reality, own the moment, and win the day. Redefine reality, own the moment, win the day. The redefining of reality is just being able to attach a new meaning to something, to say, I'm going to choose to see this however I want to see it. Right? That's redefining our reality. Owning the moment is being present and experiencing it right now. And winning the day is like saying, hey, this, I'm, I'm not going to focus on making sure that the rest of my life is great. I'm just going to focus on winning the day today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the way we have a great year is we have 12 great months. The way we have a great month is we have 30 great days. And the way we have 30 great days is we manage the next hour, manage the moment. Right. So when we own the moment, we can win the day. And that's how we win life. So that's our that's our acronym. I, that is that is awesome. I I'd like to um, maybe focus in on on rising to the. I mean, there there's so. I mean, they're all great, and and they're all really I think powerful tools to help shape one's mindset. But I think I want to fo- I want to kind of focus in on rising to the occasion. I think that a lot of times people in 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 our life what we're trying to pursue a new venture or or whatever it may be, we have the passion, we have the opportunity, but maybe we lack the skill set. Mm-hmm. And so that stops us from actually taking the next step. How do you overcome that? Well, I, I think it's about just, I think it's about taking massive action, Mike. You know, I wrestle with this too, personally. I think that a lot of times we do have the skill set and we, we think we don't, or we think our skills aren't good enough to play the game. And I've seen people create massive success in their life because they just have the courage to take action. And that, that you know, my buddy Carl, who's a mountain climber, says, don't wait to get things perfect before you get them going. Just get them going and then worry about perfect later. Mm-hmm. And the idea is just, you know, rising to the occasion is saying, I don't have to know how to do the dance move. I don't have that skill set, but I'm going to stand up and shake it <laughs> because, <laughs> because that's how I'll learn to dance. That's and awesome. I think that I think that that's how we all need to play. Is we just need to be a little bit more courageous in our lives and go out and be willing to look like a fool. Be willing to like 
you know, not have the rhythm until we get the rhythm. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Or if you don't have rhythm and you'll never get the rhythm, then you just own that fact. And that can be also appealing or endearing or enlightening to people. Because let me tell you, there's some people that dance and are really good at it and inspire other people to be better dancers and be really good at it. Except there's a whole group of people out there who don't know how to dance and will never be able to dance. And there's a whole other group of people that feel exactly and are exactly like that, who will more relate to that person than the person who knows how to dance. So the point is everybody should stand and shake it and just let them find their own tribes. Let them find their own dance crew, right? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I love it. Is you just stand up and do your move and you'll find other people who like to do that move too. And and you just work your way up and people are kind of part of the journey along the way with you. But most people will fail in life. And, and I, by the way, I say fail respectfully, but, and, and you'll understand what I mean in the context here in a second, but they fail in life because they just fail to take the action. They fail to go do something with what they've got. Mm-hmm. They just don't step up. You know, one of the things we say in front row is you, you, you know, you, you, you stand up, you step up and you speak up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of how you live life is you, and, 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 you know, not everybody, by the way, I can tell you can stand up. But the point is that you sort of, you rise up, even if it's spiritually, right? Totally. Mm-hmm. Even if you physically can't, but you rise up and there's lots of ways to rise up in this life. And I think that's what it means to me. Yeah. What does it mean to you? Well, I mean, I, I think that you know, if you have the passion and you have the opportunity, even if you lack the skill set, you can go get it, and and you can you can make Taylor Swift's "Shake It Off" your theme song, you know. <laughs> right. But you know, I, I'm just about like the vision for this podcast. I had been thinking about this podcast for two years, and finally, uh, you know who Michael Hyatt is? Yeah. So I did Michael Hyatt's best year ever program. And one of my goals was I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do this podcast. I'm going to do it. And so I just did it. You know, I, I went out, I, I knew I needed to start by getting microphones. Once I got that, I, I knew I needed to start telling people about the podcast and just asking uh, people that I admired for, for interviews and the worst possible thing that they could say was no. Mm-hmm. I realized after the fact that, you know, there's a, actually a lot of work that goes into a podcast and the production and all that stuff. And, and, and I realized that uh, some of those things are not in my skill set. So I, I partnered with somebody who, who has those production skills and, and he and his team are managing the production and, and everything for the podcast. But I mean, I, you know, this has just been, it's been a fun process and when you and when you learn by doing when you rise to the occasion and you and uh you meet opportunity where it's at and where you're at you you can have a lot of fun and you can either have fun or you can choose to not have fun like you can be you can be in the front row and it can be raining and you can have a really bad attitude or you could be like your buddy and like, just keep on drinking that beer that never goes empty. <laughs> right. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't have a headache. There. I know. It's a win, yeah, it's a win all around. I know. Exactly. You kind of started to talk a little bit about things that, that are holding people back from realizing their full potential. But what, what do you think are the, in your experience, speaking and working with entrepreneurs of all different shapes and sizes and experience, what do you think are, are two or three things that are holding people back from realizing their full potential and what questions or steps can they take to move through those? I think people are, they have limiting beliefs 
Uh, they, 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 they tell themselves things that are not true. I think people have friends that have limiting beliefs and that they're not playing in a peer group that's pushing them or stretching them. And I think people are not investing in themselves. Uh, I think that they are not taking the steps necessary to educate themselves and invest in ways that help them to grow. And mm-hmm. I, I think those are some of the biggest things that hold people back from achieving their potential. So it's the belief of who am I to do that? You know, it's like for me, it's it's who am I to write that book? What am I going to say that hasn't been said a hundred times, a thousand times by people that are far better at articulating that message? Who am I to share that, right? And then it's the thought of uh, the, 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 the fraud concept of, well, what if I achieve some level of success and then people realize just how much I don't know? And, and you know, totally. and uh, that I've somehow you know, faked my way into this spot and then I'm exposed and I lose all of it. So Mm -hmm. we have all these limiting beliefs in our mind and we tell ourselves these things that hold us back. And I think that one of the ways to get rid of that is to crowd it out with good information, whether we're investing in the next book or a a program or, uh, you know, an event or a a peer group, a dinner that you're treating somebody to, but it's, it's literally expanding your peer group. I mean, I think that no greater decision is made on earth than who's in our front row. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and, and, and that has been said by so many people because it's so true. (laughs) So there's there's truth to that. And sometimes we overlook that. We're like, yeah, 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 change my peer group. Yeah, 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 do yeah. that. And I'm like, well, are you really taking a hard look at that? Are you really being intentional? Are you really being aggressive about shifting that area of your life? Yeah, I mean, you, not- you are what you eat and you are who you hang around. That's it. I mean, so I think those are the big things, Mike. And I think that people need to take a look right now at what beliefs are driving their day. Um, I think people need to take a look at their friends uh, and their peers. And by the way, I'm not talking about friends like you have to just go ditch all your old <laughs> friends. I'm talking Peace about out. like y- you you need to be selecting uh, new friends, perhaps choosing to be around groups of people. Where I've invested in uh, masterminds and conferences and travel, where I can be around amazing people, mm-hmm. uh, people that I want to be like, you know. And and so I think that's a that's a critical element. And I think I want to I want to give somebody an action step too when it comes to the. Um, the, the, the mindset piece, I, I think there's no better tool than one of my best buddies, Hal Elrod and his book, the miracle morning Great book. and this idea of giving to yourself first each day. I mean, how's life what he calls the savers, right? I don't, maybe perhaps you practice this or not, but it's the, the idea of, you know, uh, silence, affirmation, visualization, exercise, reading, and then journaling right, is, mm-hmm. is his deal, or scribing, as he calls it, because mm-hmm. he couldn't figure out how to squeeze a J in there. But the, <laughs> idea is, the idea is to invest in yourself each morning. And if you're reading something, you're conditioning your mind, you know, you're programming. If you're doing a visualization, if you're doing an affirmation, all, what you're doing is you're trying to condition. I just want to be the best marketer to me, not, not everybody else. I mean, even when I'm watching Hulu, Mike, you know, I'm watching a show on Hulu, when the commercial comes on, I will literally turn the volume down, Turn the phone over because I nor I do not want to see it nor hear it. Right. Because I feel like it's corrupting my mind. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's sacred space. That's sacred real estate. I'm letting somebody else build a home in my real estate that I own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I want to build, I want to be the architect. I want to build. So, you know, when I talk about what's in your front row in my speech and in my programs, I talk about your your surroundings. Yeah. And right now, 
Um, what I'm looking at, and this, by the way, is a, a practical strategy that your audience can take to, Im, to change the way they see themselves and their world and how they focus. Because I think the front row factor is all about focus. Mm-hmm. Think about the front row, right? When you're there, you're focused on, you don't have anybody in front of you distracting you. This is about focus. So for me, I'm looking right now around my office as I'm talking to you, Mike, and I see one, two, three, four, five, six dry erase boards. Um, this is where I, I draw mind maps and I, I create, I write down goals and visions and dreams. It's constantly surrounding myself with things that are empowering. I have a dreams wall with post-it notes with my dreams on it. I have a calendar, which takes up 10 feet of one wall, which is my two year plan on it with post-it notes of what I'm trying to create. And I have literally taken everything out of my office that doesn't serve a purpose of helping me to, uh, to realize my fullest potential. Mm-hmm. In other words, too many people go to Target or Burlington Coat Factory or TJ Maxx or some store and they buy a photograph because it's pretty and they put it in their office because they're trying to fill space. Mm-hmm. And my thought is, why don't you fill your space with things that, that fire you up about your life and what you want to achieve and what you want to do? Even if you write down a list of your top 10 friends and write down their biggest dream or goal next to them and put it on your wall and every day ask yourself, what am I doing to help my front row, my friends, my best friends, my best peers to hit their number one dream or goal. How can I go add value to them? Ooh, I like that. That's awesome. Does that make sense? Yeah, like it's, totally. It's like, it's like asking ourselves, what are we putting around us? In our kitchen, we have a chalkboard wall where we're writing down, you know, we do these gratitude experiences where we call friends and tell them how much we love them. We write those down. And then we have another wall in our kitchen where when we have guests over, we ask them what their dreams are and we put them up on our wall. So we're looking at our friends' dreams on our wall mm. in our kitchen. So I just think about like I could go on and on and on, but the point I think your audience is getting is you have to literally shape your environment so that you can advertise to yourself. Totally. And I think that I think that one of the one of the things that I don't want people to miss here is like so you've you've got six whiteboards on your in your in your office where you've got your mind maps, your your goals, you've got the to your calendar, you got all of these really great things to equip you uh, to just crush it. And one of my, it reminds me kind of of one of my uh, favorite quotes, which is, think as so, act as so, and so it shall be. Mm-hmm. But I think that one of the major gaps that often people end up getting frustrated by that they, they don't realize they're doing to themselves is they, they do the think as so part and they and they think about the so it shall be part, but they forget about the the action part. Yeah, huge. Like yeah. that, you're not you are not just sitting at your dreams on the post-it notes, waiting for them to happen. <laughs> you know, that's right. You're going out there and taking the necessary steps toward achieving those those dreams. And some of them you might not hit, and and many of them you will. But the point is that. Even along the way, for the things that you don't actually realize or don't come to fruition, you're still better by having gone after them. Yep. 100%. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, one of my favorite books that, I, that I've read recently is a book called How Will You, How Will you Measure Your Life? That's the title of the book. Mm. So I've been asking all of my guests that question because I think that it's, it's really important. And the guy who wrote it is uh, Harvard a business professor and he graduated from Harvard and the kind of the background of the book was he would, you know, he graduated 
Then they came back for their five year union and everybody was happy and, and idealistic. And, and then they came back from for their 10 year reunion and some of the people were married uh, and some weren't. And, 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 you know, people were a little bit more jaded and then some, they came back for their 15 year anniversary and some people were divorced. Other people were in prison, you know? And, and so it, it, made him start to ask this question, like what's important and, and how will you measure your life? So how will you, John Roman measure your life? You've got this beautiful family. You've got this wonderful foundation. You've got this great organization, front row factor, the podcast and front row global. And so how will you measure your life? Mike, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, you know, it's such a good question. And uh, let me let me just speak from the heart here. Sure. Let me speak from the heart. So he, here's how I think I'm going to measure my life. I'm going to measure my life, Mike, by the intention that I brought to all of the activities. I I think that it that to me that means the heart, the soul, the 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 desire to um, to serve people. You know, I think about, you know, when I measure my life, I'm going to look back and I'm going to say, you know, did I live most of my days? And I can say most because I'm not perfect and I'm not, I'm not always on point and I'm not always tuned in and I'm not, I'm selfish. You know, I, I get angry. I'm mean. I say mean things. I don't mean it, but uh, I do, you know, because I'm operating out of fear at times because I'm tired because my willpower is shot. But if the majority, if I can have more days than not, where I showed up and I got clear about who I was, and I really tapped into those gifts that I've been given by whomever, you know, um, that, and I could share those with people, if I could ease somebody's pain, if I could build, if I could help them to feel excited and enlivened and valued and appreciated, uh, if I could help people feel that way, if I could not just help, if I could just not hurt the world, if I could just not help, you know, not, not just be sustainable in the world, but help heal the world, if I could help to proactively uh, create a world that is one that internally we all know feels good, feels right, you know, like that, that internal compass, that moral compass. If I could get to the end and go, you know what? I did a lot of those things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was nice to people and animals and the planet. And, and, I, and I shared my gifts and I did that in a way that was truly in a place of wanting to serve. I think I'll feel good. But that is a very difficult question. It, it, because it really is. I think in some ways, I think here's why I resist it. Because I, in some ways, don't want to measure my life because I think that it is immeasurable. I also say this, I'm going I'm to say this because I, I really want you to know this is the heart of my answer to this. It, you know, people, and I could really get on a soapbox here, but I'm going to, for time purposes, I'm going to give you the short cliff notes of this, okay? <laughs> okay? But the idea is, Mike, for me, that it is about you cannot measure good deeds, you cannot measure a life. Mm-hmm. And here's what I mean. You go, a lot of people will put up you know, somebody on a pedestal. We hear them all the time. Like it's like the Gandhis and the Mother Teresas and the, and these are wonderful people that do amazing things. But 
sometimes we, 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 we act as if their value is greater as a human being because they impacted a thousand lives versus the person that impacted a hundred lives. And I would say, I don't think you can measure good deeds because mm-hmm. here's my point. You go put Bill Gates, you know, who starts this huge charitable organization is doing massive good in the world. But what about the guy or the gal who's working at the suicide hotline and they take a call from somebody that they don't even know and they save their life. And that person happens to be a brilliant scientist who finds the cure for cancer the next week. Right. Yeah. I don't think that you can get into the business of measuring goodness or measuring impact in that way because it's just too many variables at mm-hmm, play. Mm-hmm. And I, know, I get that we want to quantify things. We want to put a number on it. We want to say that I've impacted a million people. I've often resisted saying the mission of my business is to change a million lives because I just, I don't, that doesn't fire me up. Why only I'm a million? Num- not a numbers guy. You know what I want to do? I want to wake up today. What fires me up is to find out who the best version of me is and deliver that to the most people. Yes, I get the idea of scaling. I get the idea of reaching people, but I don't want to start measuring my value as a human on how many of those people I reach. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's so important. So I, anyway, you can tell I get a little passionate yeah, about no, that. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think <laughs> it's the, the beauty about this question is that it, it gets answered differently every single time. So, yeah. And, and, but it really gets people, and, and I had an interview yesterday where a guy answered it similarly in the sense that he said, I have no idea. But then he, then as he started to talk about it and think about it, he kind of honed in on, on some things that were important to him. How can our subscribers connect with you, follow you, visit with you, et cetera? Uh, Frontrowfactor.com will get you everything front row from charity, speaking, coaching, all the goods. Um, Or all uh, your social media stuff on that too? Everything's there. Frontrowfactor.com. Would love to uh, have you come play. Awesome. Any last words of wisdom for our listeners or anything you're working on that they should keep their eyes and ears open for? I, I wish people, uh, you know, I wish that people live in the moment. You know, I invite them to experience today to the fullest. Just go out today and really see, hear, and feel all the good that's around you and really embrace what makes you awesome and unique as an individual and go put that to play in the world. Awesome. Well, John, this has been uh, a tremendous amount of fun. I know that a lot of people will be impacted by our conversation today and and the wonderful insights that you shared. So thank you for joining us on this episode of the Impact Entrepreneur Show. Thanks, Mike. As you hopefully just heard, there's no doubt that John is a tremendously passionate and inspirational person with a clear vision of what he wants to accomplish with both his company and his charity, not just in the future, but right now. After all, life is not a spectator sport and we must live in the front row, in the present, and with huge intention if we are to accomplish the dreams and the goals and the plans that we have set out before us. In fact, one of my favorite quotes uh, that John shared with us, and I, I believe he came up with this his own, is that we must plan for the future but perform in the present. I think that that is huge, and hopefully that is a takeaway that you are able to implement in your life right now. John also shared with us a couple of other action steps, including going out and buying Hal Alrod's book, The Miracle Morning. It is a game changer, and it is important to pay yourself first every day as soon as you get up. 
to set your day straight. I hope you enjoyed this episode. All of the links to this information and more will be included in the show notes where you can connect with John, a link to the book, and a link to his other activities. And as usual, if you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes, download, subscribe, rate, and review our show. It's so important. You can also visit us at www.theimpactentrepreneur.net and subscribe there to the show as well as to our blog. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Now go make an impact.